so this yard probably 10 years ago would have would have been all old scaffolding a lot of old cranes now the the lands have changed we're using it for storing materials for for certain sites in in city centres mainly where they're tight on space you can see all this material here is for cisk living jobs in the city centre I'm in the John Siskinson Plant and Logistics Hub in Baldonnell County, Dublin, surrounded by an incredible variety of machinery, building materials, porta cabins, steelwork, and much more. We're able to use this this yard here for that. We have solar panels. We've brought in solar panels on the roof here. We've brought in solar panels for our site cabins, which again is, is bringing in the aspect of, of running sites with higher insulation and, and, and a lesser running cost of the site setups. Yeah. Oh, is that right? So that, is that always a key? How can we, how can we make a, a site? This site plays a crucial role in how CISC construction sites are run all over Ireland, ensuring that they operate with the highest cost and time efficiency and the lowest environmental and community impact. I'm being shown around by Alan Kelly. He's the specialist plant and mobilisation manager for John Siskinson, based full-time here in Baldonnell. Alan has spent 25 years with the company, having started as a labourer on CISC sites in the late 90s and over time working his way up through the company, taking on more and more responsibilities and being put in charge of even larger teams. Naturally, Alan's work ethic, skill and management style have been central to his progression through the company. However, he is very clear about one thing, that he would not be here today were it not for his very first manager a man who made a very big impact on Alan on day one and who was to go on to play a central role in his decades-long career with the company, right up until very recently. Everyone I have met during the recording of this podcast series has credited their success and loyalty to the company to the people they have worked with. Managers, mentors, friends on site, friends in the office, brilliant people who trust them, listen to them and drive them forward. At a time of great uncertainty in the industry, the importance of being surrounded by such people remains constant. And that is what we're going to be talking about in this episode of Inside CISC. Welcome to Inside CISC, a podcast series brought to you by John Sisk and Son, where we meet the people behind the projects. I'm Patrick Hawhey, and you are very welcome to episode one of series two of this podcast. I am going to be meeting two people who, through their stories and how they describe what they do, reveal the critical importance of the relationships we form in work, and how these connections underpin the success of the entire company. I'll be sitting down with Alan Kelly, Specialist Plant and Mobilization Manager. Was there someone who believed in you and what you could do that made the difference between you doing one job one day and a totally different one the next? There was, yeah, and it was always Dave. Really? Yeah. Really? I wouldn't be here today only for Dave, to be honest. Yeah. And Lindsay Griffin, Senior Proposals Manager at John Siskinson. The most important part of winning is securing work for everyone. If we win the work, they are guaranteed work. Circle of life, we call it in the office. If you enjoy this episode, please do follow the series on Apple or Spotify or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. So let's go back to Baldonnell County, Dublin. After our tour of the site, Alan and I sat down in his office and he told me a little bit more about where it all started for him in Sisk 25 years ago, how his career grew and grew and the man that was responsible. 
My first start with CISC was um, a summer job in Wyatt's in Newbridge back in 97, 98, where uh, the old Polaroid factory in Newbridge was was, um, was getting transformed from a Polaroid factory into Wyatt's, which is now Pfizer now. And that was a summer job I started with CISC in 97. The following summer, I obviously done okay that summer because the following summer I was I was I was looked for to come back in to the same job. So I was happy enough to go back in and do summer three months placement in there. Um I think it was from that day I always wanted to be on the sites, getting the hands dirty, getting in and, and, and you know, enjoying the work. And that was labouring. That was I was I worked on a crew where we all we did every day was stack out, stack out block work. So it was I was seventeen, eighteen at the time and it just on scaffolds bending under ductwork, whatever, climbing scaffolds, and I was just carrying blocks, concrete blocks, every day, day in, day out. And it's that stood to me today, like, you know, the same five or six guys that you're working with every day, um, once you pulled your weight, you gained respect from these guys. And, you know, some of these guys are from different backgrounds, to be tough backgrounds, but once you pulled your weight, they were happy to work with you and happy happy to, to be with you as well, like, you know. So you gained respect on sites back then, yeah. And is it, you know, we, we often hear the word family bandied around when it comes to teamwork and all that kind of stuff, but it does sound like when you're with the same five people day in, day out, doing the same thing together, that, that there really is a family element after a certain amount of time. Probably would be that. Like, uh, that back then was summer jobs, but certainly when I first uh, felt the family element within CISC was certainly when I started as an apprenticeship in the training centre. Um so I'd, I'd done my, say, two summer jobs. Um, I decided, or my parents decided I should go to college after my CAO, uh, doing electronic engineering, then Castlebar. Started in September 98, I think, in, in Castlebar. And I lasted till Christmas. And I really, I just, it wasn't for me, yeah. Um, I wanted to read Carpenter. So the apprenticeship only started every September back then. So it was... Um, I wasn't going back to Castlebar after Christmas, so I knew I had to do something. So I managed to get back into CISC and I, I worked on a job in, in Amdal and Swords from um, January 99. Um, on that January 99, started driving teleporters, scaffolding, doing bits and bobs with on sites there. There was a site agent there, Brock Cassidy, who, uh, who would have took, put me under his wing. And then I'll never forget my interview, which would have been in June. For and I know you spoke about interviews with Ronan there previously, um, and I had a little laugh about my interview when, um, say, it was at three o'clock or something in the afternoon. We were pouring concrete that morning in, in on the job. I was to meet Dave Tracy and and Jimmy Jimmy Duncan at the time was doing the uh, the interviews. I landed in maybe four o'clock that evening, covered in concrete, an hour late for my interview, covered in concrete. Thankfully, they were still doing interviews for other people. The other interviewees were all sitting there in suits and ties. I never got a chance to change. I was covered head to toe in concrete um, and and went and done my interview. I, to be honest, I think I had the job already before before the interview. Yeah. But um, well, you'd, you'd you know what better what better interview than time on sites over and over again and people can see how you work. And probably what comes down to it is they they just want to know, are you going to show up every day and and dedicate yourself to this would that be a fair thing to say yeah and I suppose the big question uh, back then for me was I was earning a decent wage as a labour um, you know yeah we got money on sites for, yeah. for an 18 year old so I had a car underneath me I was I was able to afford my insurance and bits and bobs the big 
the big chance for me to take was to go from from labor's wage you know to an apprenticeship's wage which would be four times four times less you know so it was, it was a big jump and i would say that was this you know a, a chance that dave tracy took on me that you know i wouldn't after a year regret the missing uh, the drop in money and the drop but I, I had to do it i knew i had to do it and in fairness to dave he he believed in me and took me on yeah so i'd done four years with dave in the training center as a first year apprentice up to fourth year um enjoyed every day absolutely every day every day was a challenge uh within the training center we get jobs in there that nobody else would get or nobody else would 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 make sense in doing a lot of curved work a lot of arches a lot of curved doors curved work was was a big thing dave loved on a monday morning handed me a drawing or a sketch or something and i want that back by thursday or wednesday evening you know so four years there then another two years as a bench carpenter bringing on the the guys that were before me and that was true dave as well just right alan can you stay here for another few years to bring on the younger guys and show them what so it was enjoyable very enjoyable but uh, i'll never forget so i'll say i would have been six or seven years as a carpenter joiner um and Dave asked me to go out to Dundrum. I had a couple of doors to hang in Dundrum Shopping Centre. It was it was well on its way to being constructed. Um, so myself and the first or second year apprentice would have gone out there with a few doors in the back of a van. <coughs> the van every week got bigger. Um, within a couple of weeks, that van changed to a lorry and it changed from a lorry to a 40-foot truck and there was still myself and apprentice there. Um, you know, every Friday I'd be ringing Dave saying, Dave, I'm not going to get through this belt of doors again you know we need we need to start looking at somebody else before i knew it i had 22 carpenters underneath me um and i decided i have to take my tool belt off and just look look after these guys these guys are on price work ensuring that they're fed with with what they needed it was the, the full joinery package was being ran through the training center um so the, if you can imagine there's a good few doors in dundrum shopping center so um yeah i, I, I helped in hanging the first couple of hundred anyway in the basements and stuff like that but then after that my tool belt came off and I suppose that was the start of me being a foreman with SISC um, and I have to say it was, it was from Dave throwing me in the deep end really I suppose that's where I took it up from yeah there was one story I had um, where I was asked to go out in sight it was Dave actually asked me um, it was on a Friday night leaving work late on a Friday night would you do a small job for me Saturday morning um, it's put down a small floor so I said, yeah, no problem. So um, it was only one, two meter square of flooring to do on Saturday. So Dave said, here, there, get the floorboards there and, and, and go up to Crow Park on Saturday morning. So I thought nothing of it. It was only two square meters, so I'd be in and out. You know, he said, job and not, as it was called. You'd, you'd get the job done as quick as possible. you get paid for, for the half day. So I landed onto the site anyway with the floorboards out in the old Fiat Uno and um, met the site agent there. I was asked was I afraid of heights I wasn't too sure where he was going with that and anyway, eventually I ended up having to put a floor in the tower crane on the side oh and <laughs> that was that was a small detail that was left out yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, there's probably a lesson there that sometimes when you need somebody to do something maybe you don't have to share all of the information and that's also a way to get people excellent yeah very good yeah definitely is that the case yeah. even at other times you know you've delegated to people like Sometimes all of the facts up front can scare people off and they won't believe in themselves to do it. Definitely, you're, you're leave hold a few bits back because it's a way for somebody to learn, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also too, you know, information can stop us from doing stuff, but when we're 
at the point like you were up in that tarot crane and you do it the sense of self-satisfaction is incredible yes definitely yeah yeah, I actually took the crane for a drive then once I got the floor down. <laughs> <laughs> I would have looked after a lot of jobs for Dave then for install um, and then looking for people skills was the start of, of my new career, I suppose. Um, changing from foreman role to site agent to site man or site manager to site agent. Um, and then recently in the last two years then I changed from site agent where I was out in Cherrywood a role came up uh, looking for s- somebody to to look after cranes uh, site and site setups and stuff like that so I managed to, to get a role there a specialist plant which is cranes and pumps and anything different to what lads wouldn't be dealing with on, v- on an everyday basis and site setups yeah, I suppose there was one thing that said to me was staff retention as well is a big is a big one, especially guys that would be the likes of QSs who would be on our sites, who who'd mainly be in offices all day every day. They'd be living in a steel box. Um, you know, we need to give them more. We need to be able to retain our staff, our good staff. Uh, we need to be able to offer more. And I suppose with our new modular accommodation, where we have full height glazing or we have fully insulated floors, fully in- insulated ceilings, it's inviting for people to come into work, especially on sites. Yeah. Certainly my role now where, where I'm able to procure cranes and, and, and get planned for, for sites for the old Alan Kelly who was, who was on a site. Um, I know what they need. I've been there, worn that t-shirt. I'd like to be able to say that we can provide them now with the safest. We're, we're, we're able to go out to our suppliers and, and get the safest and get the best. Um, so I'm delighted within Cisco. I was able to stay in Cisco. I was able to change my role, but go sideways and 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 make new space for myself that that I can supply sites. We can look after sites. We're a service to our sites, um, from from procuring the safest and the best and what the sites need. Was there a Dave Tracy along each of those milestones as you changed position? Was there someone who believed in you and what you could do that made the difference between you doing one job one day and a totally different one the next? There was, yeah. And it was always Dave. Really? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. So he was a consistent throughout your, oh, yeah. your career. Yeah. How long were you working with them for? Uh, I suppose with Dave, oh, up to two years ago two years yeah yeah and he was there um yeah what do you think it was even when you were a, a young lad in dundrum what 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 did he see in you that made him go okay i'm going to trust alan kelly with this new role which is a fairly significant one i uh, don't know hard work probably he he'd never tell you you know he'd never he'd never say that or he'd rarely say he would sometimes but uh He'd often, you'd know it, but uh, you're, you'd know you're doing things right for him. But um, he'd always set a challenge for you, and you'd 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 just barely make it, but you'd always get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he'd what made him pick me? All the, well, there was uh, there's others like he had. He was looking after so many of us. There wasn't just myself. Um, he would have brought on, helped us, and I suppose it's it's the running of the training centre that that Dave was looking after that he was delighted to see us the, fra- the, the phrase he used to use is climb the ladder you know and he'd always love to see lads that came through the training centre doing well and there was you know it's not just me there's a lot of other lads that, that have come through there with 
the same doing the same things as what I've done and, and in fairness to CISC and CIS family they've backed us all and we're able to show them that we can do that as well yeah. What kind of personality did he have was he upbeat and bubbly was he a bit deadpan or was he serious or No he'd be upbeat and bubbly yeah 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 he'd uh, you know he always he always ensured that there was he was there for us there was nine of us in that year um he always helped us to climb ladders and certainly that's very true today where I wouldn't be here today only for Dave to be honest you know yeah yeah I know Dave Dave isn't isn't with us anymore so he's a lot of people would have probably like you are right now feel certainly he was missed and he left a hole in the in the cis family oh huge yeah yeah not only in the cis family and you know in, in in a lot yeah we will come back to Alan a little later in the episode and hear how his relationship with Dave Tracy has helped him to become a better manager and mentor. But first, let's meet Lindsay Griffin, Senior Proposals Manager at John Siskinson. While Alan's story shows the power and impact that just one relationship can have, Lindsay's story reveals how relationships like these across the entire company can bring about a connectedness one that creates a culture that makes employees want to stay, but also one that feeds into commercial success. I asked Lindsay to start by describing what she does. <laughs> um, we win work, that's it. That's, that's the elevator pitch. Um, our job is I'm part of a team who uh, submit bids for tenders to win work, to get our operations team uh, a continuity of projects to go to. Uh, as a proposals manager, predominantly responsible for the quality submission, which is a series of questions that the client asks, relating sometimes to the business, uh, to the actual project in general. And my role, we bid manage the quality submission, although there is a bid manager who is responsible for the whole submission, including the commercial elements, the methodology and the uh, program. So, what, just dive into that a tiny bit deeper. So, you're so effectively there's a number of people who will work on this bid on the 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 effort to win this work, and you form one link in that chain in your particular role. That that's correct. Yes, as as a minimum, there is a a bid manager, a proposals manager, an estimator who is responsible for developing the price. Uh, a commercial manager who will review the contract, uh, a planner who basically works at how long it'll take us to build something, and then operational support from that's like boots on the ground. How are we going to build it? Yeah, it's a very it's a very detailed and and um, a lot of hard work involved in a bid for the sense of it. <laughs> very much, yeah, yeah. It's um, you have to be able to work um, autonomously. But also, you have to be part of a team. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if, if one person doesn't do their bid, then the whole of the bid is in, in jeopardy, basically. Yeah. So can you give me an example to really sort of um, illustrate what role you play? So is there a recent, it was a recent bid that you can speak about where, uh, what, what it was? And then also kind of what, what, what your part in that, in that team does for that particular project? Oh, it's like working for MI5 doing tenders. Uh, you're not allowed to tell anybody what bids you're working on. Um, 
or anything you can, of that nature. You can keep the name, so, keep it, keep it, keep the, the company name anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> other bids are available. Um, yeah, so let, let's think. So we recently had um, a a tendering that we're still awaiting the outcome of, and I worked with a bid manager who, as I just said, is responsible for everything. Um, however, I did predominantly the the. The proposals managers within CISC are predominantly responsible for writing most of the responses to the the client's questions. Um, some questions will be written by others, and then we will edit them and make sure that they are in um, the same voice, for want of a better phrase. Um, there's a lot of research involved, so before you even put pen to paper, you need to understand the client understand their drivers, understand the project, what the constraints are, um, what stakeholders uh, may be affected. So there's a lot of management, a lot of liaison. You have to have people skills to be able to get what you need uh, to be able to do your job. And it's not meant manipulatively. It's just getting the best out of the individuals to make what we do the best that we can. Um, So... We work a lot with the um, digital project delivery team. So everything now is um, visualized and not just from a, oh, that looks nice. It's a, a technical, so from clash detection to, again, this particular recent bid, we had to um, develop the BIM model to give ourselves and the client confidence that the works could be carried out in a very confined space with some pretty large plant um, machinery so that as well it could be done safely not only for people on site but for the traveling public the general public um it's that particular job is in a, a a very congested area um so yeah it you just have to work with a multiple of people really yeah and and be very detail orientated, I'd imagine, and and think of all the potential outcomes, the potential issues that might arise, and satisfy the reader of the tender that these are all looked after and in good hands. Yeah, it's all about giving confidence factors. Um, I think it's about giving the client confidence. Every everybody who who we tender against can deliver the project. Uh, you, there's always a pool of different contractors but relatively the same ones and everybody can deliver the project what it comes down to is giving the client confidence that you're the best organization to do that and whether that be through your previous experience the team that you present or just sometimes like an off-the-wall methodology that might be developed that can save the client time um money but also it could just possibly give the client added value from a health and safety point of view or from a quality point of view. It all depends on what that client is actually looking for, what their drivers are. So I will research a client when I'm writing a tender. If there is a question on sustainability or environment or net zero, so we find their actual specific net zero or carbon reduction questions. We know what we're doing at CISC in that area. What I do and my colleagues do, we research what the client's aspirations are and mm. we align CISC's targets and goals and achievements with the client's aspirations. So we will do this. We have already done this and we will do this on your project. 
Yes. So we may not be the cheapest or the fastest, but sometimes the added value yeah. from these secondary items are what can can secure the work. It can it be a case sometimes that you, you are actually helping the client to understand what they are aspiring to. They know that they need to get something to do with net zero in here. It's one of those terms, isn't it? It's like, yes. okay, we know this is important, but we don't actually know what it, what it, how it breaks down. So is part of your role helping them understand what it is, what it breaks down, what they should be aiming for? Well, very much because, again, because we work predominantly for um, local authorities, they're spending public money. They are answerable to the public mm. and they have to not only deliver exceptional infrastructure or a, a wonderful new school, whatever it might be, the, the requirements of society now impact so much, not just on construction, but on, on every aspect of our lives. You cannot just go into a community, build the job and leave without leaving some sort of legacy benefit mm. for that community behind and whether that be from a carbon or a social value perspective, you know, we have to do, and, and as, a, as a responsible employer, we want to do that. Being responsible is something that is at the heart of Lindsay's role. Not only does she have the responsibility of winning crucial projects for CISC, she is also responsible for representing in a proposal what her colleagues can deliver for the client as accurately as possible. On a, a tender recently that um, was totally out of um, my personal comfort zone, and I would say the uh, the business unit. So we're looking at a different sector, uh, doing the works that we do, but in a different environment that is a lot more regulated than what we're used to. And the questions that we asked in the tender meant that we had to have. Um, almost like a, it was like a full CISC involvement and it wasn't just the usual oh so what's new in quality it was a real kind of deep dive into what we're doing at a group level what we're doing at a project level what else can we do for this particular client and how do we put that into a short amount of, of pages so the amount of information I was given from the, the various uh, discipline um, leads it was astounding um, and you have to be able to absorb that information to identify what's key in it and then to be able to um, write eloquently uh, and simply as well you know there's it can, yeah. sometimes writing can be a bit convoluted you know it's got to be quite simple and easy to understand so yeah it's um, I've learned so during this tender, I've learned so much more uh, than I have done. It's like it's like I did six months learning in a, a six-week tender yeah. period. <laughs> it's quite intense. Yeah. And I guess, you know, in general, you're, with each tender, you're putting the best foot of the company forward and really selling what makes this different to its competitors so that in order you get, you have the edge. I would imagine you that means you really have to believe in it. You you, you don't can't just go into work every day and just sort of, you know, make this stuff up or really say it if you don't believe it. Um you you have to have that conviction, I guess. Yeah, very much. Um you you can't write compelling content if you don't believe it. 
I have to believe it. I have to understand it. Um, uh, because as well, everything that you write, everything that you put into a tender, at some point, somebody within our business has to step up in front of that client and, you know, say, yes, that is true. And yes, we will do that. We never lie. It's always believable because somebody at some point has got to say, yes, that is us. That is what we're doing. The most important part of winning is securing work for everyone, you know, so whether they be office-based, whether they be site-based, whether they be the supply chain, if we win the work, they are guaranteed work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Circular life, we call it in the office. Yeah. You know, keep going round. I do it because I love it. You have to love it because it is quite stressful. Uh, genuinely, it can be quite stressful and it can take over your life, you know, when deadlines are a bit harsh but I do it because it's great to make a profit for the business it's you know it's great to do that but it's I have a a better feeling by knowing that I've won that site is coming to an end and we've just won another job not too fast they they don't even have to relocate they don't there's a lot of traveling in our industry you know you go where the work is for the site guys but it's great to know that you're giving them options, that we're, we're winning enough work that they can have security yeah. in their job. I think that's everyone's driver in the office as well, to be honest with you. I don't think it's an individual one. It, it's, yeah, we do we do it because we're mad. We do it because <laughs> we love it. <laughs> but I think we just do it for the bigger picture, really. The value of friendships and how they play into the bigger picture is something that you will hear discussed a number of times in this series of Inside Sisk. It was the focus of this very first episode, but it underpins pretty much all of the other themes that we will explore over the next five episodes. Before we wrap, let's go back to Alan Kelly one last time. What did you take from Dave and his management style that you could apply to your own management style? He let you make mistakes. Um, he'd he'd push you. Um, he'd he'd certainly push you hard and make you realise where your mistakes were and 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 teach you where you went wrong. So he'd 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 have your back even if you were wrong. He'd have your back a hundred percent all the time. Yeah, like I I can do dovetail joints by hand, mortise and tenon joints, but certainly in my twenty five years running Cisc, the hardest part I found was people management I've helped lads so much and I've used the school of Dave Tracy to help me bring guys on yeah I hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside Sisk thanks for listening and I hope you can join us for the next one